Hey, Brittany and Jesse. This is Daryl from Georgia. And I never listen to I Doubt It with Dollar More because Jesse turns everything into a shit show. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Thalamore. the show and thank you for joining us episode 515 of i doubt it with dollamore i'm your host jesse dollamore this time i am and this time i'm joined by Brittany page the lovely the talented the eye twitching <laughs> scholarly lady that you've all grown to love it's actually really disappointing <laughs> because i haven't had i haven't had an eye twitch since grad school so you, you, I'm really you, confused okay, well, as to what's going on. When you when you say eye twitch, do you just mean like your like your the eyelid or like the corner of the the it's not the eyeball. No, no, no. It's my eyelid. Yeah. Yeah, my just eyelid. Kinda, it's kinda like a little muscle twitch. Yeah, like a muscle spasm yeah. kind of happens. And it it has gotten better over time, I will say that. So I've had it for about a week now. And, and it's not constant. It will it, it was pretty constant in the beginning. Like I felt self-conscious talking to people because it would happen while I was talking to people and it was like rah, rah, well, rah. it probably feels like it's noticeable but no one's going to notice that yeah I guess but I, I was still freaked out seems and to me if somebody notices it you've got bigger problems with that person <laughs> than the eye twitch alright yeah or maybe they're just really <laughs> paying attention to me right. and that's very nice of them just intently yeah lots of eye contact yeah not too much eye contact but yeah um <laughs> I googled it. Of course you did. What? Let me guess. Causes an eye twitch. Eye cancer or something cataclysmic. So like 10 neurological disorders came up. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, wow, immediately to the neurological disorders, we can't start with like stress or dehydration yeah dehydration wasn't listed on there i know you keep trying to make dehydration happen i'm with pretty this. sure it's dehydration yeah well let's not well, on the all, you clinic, don't drink so. enough water nearly enough water yeah i don't i don't and that's what caused it that's a fact that's no that's no, not a you fact you just admitted it we've got it on tape uh, the fact is that i don't drink enough water but it is not a fact i forgot i don't even know you anymore. always do this though with things that First of all, I don't know why anybody goes to the internet to yeah, find out. Yeah, I need out. to stop. I need to stop. Because it's always going to be it's really just a pointless. goddamn shit show. Yeah, it's pointless. It's absolutely pointless. Yeah. Um, I really need to stop doing it. It is not useful, but it's really tempting when you have something wrong <laughs> and you don't know why that something is wrong and you don't like have time to go get it looked at. I mean, who's going to the doctor well, no, for an eye twitch? That's, that's not, also embarrassing. Listen, the problem isn't that you're looking it up. I mean, that's that's the that's the ultimate problem. But the problem is that you feel like you need to look it up. You mm -hmm. have an eye twitch. It's something that happens to hundreds of millions of people every year. 
You just don't have to go and find out what the specific cause is. Yeah. Well, I guess it also depends on who I talk to because I had people that were like every day checking in with me to see if my eye twitch was okay. And then like, you should go to the doctor if it hasn't cleared oh, up in, in a few on, days. Man. So that's kind of the pressure that I was getting as well. And unfortunately, I succumbed to the pressure well you didn't go to the doctor no i did not go to i'm not going to go to the doctor for that i i hardly could bring myself to the doctor when i had my uh my neck what was wrong with my neck again the crick yeah the the crick in my neck the torticollis that's right the torticollis um, where my head was almost pushed down to my shoulder yeah 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 and I couldn't move it without a sharp stabbing knife pain in my shoulder well, then, and back. Th- that causes- and then I was like, oh, I guess I should go to the doctor <laughs> now that I like can't move my neck. Right. And what, which is part of the problem, too, because then you're going because of a pain issue. Yeah. And then your weird guilty conscience kicks in where you think they think you're trying to get drugs or something. Yeah. When you you actually would turn down opioid, you wouldn't take them. Yeah, absolutely not. So. You, but you have a weird guilt thing going on. No, I don't think it's like I have you walk that. through. You walk through like a makeup store with your hands above your head, not stealing. I do that. Not stealing, basically. even though you've never stolen anything or been tempted. To anyway, steal. you're being very hateful right now. So I did. I did not. I don't feel guilt that the doctor thinks that I'm drug shopping. I don't have no, that no, it's issue. Maybe not guilt. Maybe not guilt, but you. You're and I always also, worried I, that's what they're thinking. No, I am not always worried that's what they're thinking. Oh, my God. Like, how do I survive with this image of me that you're painting? How do I exist in the world with all of these fucking problems? So um, I also I don't walk around the store with my hands in the air. So my mom, I'm being my exaggerative. Mom, my Come mom on. has had like she sat down one day and counted them. And I don't remember anymore because I haven't talked to her for a long time. But like, you know, 35 jobs or something that yeah, she's had in her wow. lifetime. And one of them was a um, security at different like department stores where she would catch shoplifters. And she would tell me stories about her experiences doing that, but also working with other people who did that at the different stores. And one of the themes was that as soon as a young girl walked into a makeup area. Yeah, yeah. Like, let's say you're at a Target and you're a young girl and you walk into the makeup aisle. They have a camera on you and you're being monitored. Just know that, that that's happening to you Um, because you are the prime theft suspect at that point. So unless you're like good at close up magic. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I would always like, you know, my my purse is zipped up so they don't think I'm putting anything in there. Like I would think about it. She also told me horror stories about certain security guards that would like get you in the back room and kind of rough you up a little bit if they caught you shoplifting and then the cops come and they don't care because they're cops and who cares about criminals right um you do realize that what you just said is way less funny than you walking up around with your hands in the air well (laughs) here's what happens is you try to make jokes and then everyone like writes reviews about how i'm neurotic and that's my role on the show so you're right you're right people People can't handle funny jokes that's that's people right so i i have to explain everything so that everyone understands what's going on and you know everybody knows that explaining a joke makes it way funnier so much funnier We can all sit here and have a lot of fun because yeah, of it. <laughs> real, real good time. Oh, yay. All right. Well, 
Uh, speaking of good times, we got a lot of listener communication to get to, so I want to start right away. We do have a follow-up from Mikey, who called in hmm, about a week ago or so, talking about Bernie Sanders, and he he had uh, incorrectly stated the the salary the salary of Bernie Sanders, and then charitable donations. Anyway, he called back in to to clarify his remarks, and we wanted to give him that time. Hello, Jesse and Brittany. Mikey from Chicago. Um, I'm sorry. I listened while Uber Eats delivering and I misheard things. That's my bad. I listened to a couple episodes back to back because I fell behind and I misrepresented the truth. Sorry, everybody. I wanted to start my voicemail with this because I believe your apology should be as loud as your offense. Hashtag I'm weird. Hashtag instant fact check. Um, I think we missed each other's points and we're talking past each other a bit. Um, from what I've known about Bernie, his mantra has always been for the rich to pay their fair share. He pays, he pays his appropriate taxes and donates the national average percent to charity. I don't know that I've heard Bernie ask rich people to pay more to charity. Just their fair share in taxes. And if that happened, we may not need so many charities in the first place. Sorry, my allergies are killing me. Um, to Brittany's equality point, I genuinely think that Bernie wants and means to do well by this country um, because he isn't because he isn't doing good the way I would doesn't mean it doesn't count. I don't think that holding politicians to Mahatma Gandhi levels of compassion is pragmatic. Uh, P.S. Uh, I'm never leaving the Dalamore family. Y'all are stuck with me. Wayne and Jartan are the best part. No, Bye. no, they are not. <laughs> let, let, let me say one thing first. Um, the hashtag weird thing. Somebody shit on me for can I say fucking weird all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think I think Mikey's doing it too. He's shitting on you. I think. Or I he's think, saying weird too much. I think no. I think he's low key making fun of me because I say weird. Mm. That people are weird, or that's weird. Mm -hmm. Well, what would what would everyone prefer? I, I wasn't asking what they would prefer. Oh, I'm not changing. Well, I'm just curious what their preference would be. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe not the same word over and over. Well, we, we do want to say that we love Mikey, but um, sweet logical fallacy there with uh, up in the ante to Gandhi. Right, yeah, right. Because that's what we were talking about. Well, also, <laughs> again, let's preface any any future conversation we have about Bernie Sanders. We like Bernie. We generally support Bernie. But that doesn't make him a Christ figure. That doesn't make him infallible. That doesn't make him a guy who can make no do no wrong, make no mistakes. Yeah, no one is like that, right? And that's pretty much all that we try to do here is open up that conversation to be realistic and honest. And we we do appreciate the contributions of other people helping to keep us in check, right? Ensuring that we're also being logical and reasonable, um, even if we just dismiss it. <laughs> well, and also let me say this to the income inequality issue. If you believe like Bernie Sanders does that in income inequality is a moral issue, a moral failing of the American people in our country, then you should hold him to a higher standard than, well, he pays the taxes that are required. He pays the average amount to charity he wants to be the president of the United States of America. He better be better than average. That's what I'm saying. And I don't think 
up to this point, his excuses, his explanations have been good enough for me. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that I'm not still considering supporting him for president. I certainly am. I think he's fucking rock star. But he's not a perfect rock star. Anyway, that's that's all on that. Thanks, Mikey. We appreciate it. And we love you, brother. We're not uh, coming down on you. We just like you to be right. <laughs> yes. And not so fucking weird. All right. The other little bit of follow-up we're going to do is I asked uh, the listeners to give me their opinions on this pardoning of war criminals. And I asked specifically for veterans to do so. We got uh, some feedback on that. Hi, Brittany. Hi, Jesse. This is Eric from the Midwest. Uh, been a while. Uh, Jesse said he wanted to hear some, hear from some, uh, veterans about this pardoning of the war crimes and what the general or admiral, I can't remember, sorry, what he said. Um, I really can't comment because that was a voice of reason. He, he laid it out, you know, very, very well as to, you know, you, you can't have this kind of anarchy in the military if there's no, uh, you know, what's the term I'm looking for? But, you know, there, there's just, you're not going to be punished for if you do something wrong. I, I, I just, I don't know. It, it's There's no rhyme or reason for what the president does. It's just, he's just trying to gain favor with the military thinking, man, he has our back when... In actuality, he doesn't, because why would you want criminals in the military? That's my two cents, you know, being an ex-Navy man. So, And uh, Jesse, I didn't know if you knew this, but Marine stands for men arriving in naval equipment. Have a good day. Bye. Of course, it's men arriving in naval equipment. How else are we going to be chauffeured across the globe to fight the wars for you are our, our drivers, our our transportation. Something's happening here. A little something. <laughs> <laughs> something is happening. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I agree. And, and, it, and it, it further, it makes um, it, it puts our, our soldiers and our military personnel in danger all across the globe. Like I said last time with our enemies who don't always follow the rules. We don't want to incentivize these people to to have malignant intent, a, even further malignant intent against our our service people than they already do. Mm -hmm. And by pardoning, by letting off the hook, all it sends a message all throughout the ranks that yeah, you don't have to listen to the rules of engagement. You don't have to listen to your superiors. Um, the entire structure of good order and discipline and unit cohesion breaks down because the commander in chief of the United States Armed Forces, which is a uh, fucking pains me to, to admit that it's Donald Trump mm -hmm. because he's letting them off the hook himself. Yeah, he is. A, he's a military authority in that way. Yeah. What a very confusing uh, time to be in the military or I mean, be a Democrat in the military. Yeah. <laughs> um, or just be in the military, period, honestly, because I'm sure there's all kinds of consternation and difficulties surrounding. I mean, we we know people who are active duty who are 
private on their social media because they can't be loud and out there about yeah, their political right. opinions because it will cause problems for them. I think a lot of people think of the military as being predominantly Republican. I, don't, I would agree with that. Yeah, I don't know if that's the case. But if that is the case, then, I mean, ugh. For those people that right, that right. aren't on that team, you know, is you have to be cohesive. You have to get along. You have to all be backing each other up. And right. And you can't really badmouth the commander in chief. Your fucking boss. Your boss's 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 boss. Yeah. I mean, people didn't have a problem doing that with President Obama, though. I mean, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but Obama wasn't didn't have this spirit of retribution about him. Donald Trump does. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thanks for the call. We appreciate it, Eric. On to the next one on the same topic. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. This is Kel from Kansas again. You know that state in the middle where our current Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, is from? Asshole. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so I just kind of wanted to put in my two cents about the the, the veterans that could, uh, or the soldiers and sailors that could potentially be pardoned by our current president uh, that are accused, some convicted of war crimes. Um, I am a veteran myself, uh, Army. Uh, I served in the 101st Airborne Division during the 05-06 OIF campaign uh, in Iraq. I was actually stationed in Baghdad, Iraq. Um, anyway, so, you know, there were many opportunities that arose where people could have done very terrible things to mostly civilians. I mean, mo mo most of the people that we came across, because I was in a support battalion, I was a truck driver in the Army, uh, we didn't do a lot of, uh, you know, uh, raids or kicking indoors or anything. A lot of what we did was support of the infantrymen and the uh, cab scouts that were in the field. So uh, a lot of times we would um, do um, guard duty. And we had very strict ROE, rules of engagement, that we were allowed, that we had to escalate from before we were allowed to use deadly force. So when I hear that this Navy SEAL, you know, they had this young man captive who was obviously not in a, in a capacity to be able to, um, you know, fight off three or multiple Navy SEALs unarmed is just, brutally stabbed in the chest, you know, it makes me think back to when, you know, uh, we're standing, I'm standing on guard duty uh, with this ROE and people are, you know, 99% of the people we came across were just normal people trying to live their normal lives. Uh, every once in a while, you'd have some jack wagon trying to do something stupid and we would escalate to that point if it ever got to it. But for the most part, uh, you know, we we held ourselves steady and exercised our military discipline. So when I hear uh, soldiers that are, you know, sailors or service members doing certain things like that, it really makes me upset. And it also shows that if the president or anybody were to forgive any of these things that have been done, it just gives credibility to other people that say, you know what, well, so-and-so got away with it, you know. Um, uh, and it also lends to the people who are uh, on the other side of things. Anyway, uh, time's almost running out. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Peace. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. 
So, I mean, I agree with all of that. And and I didn't go into a lot of detail about how the rules of engagement, first of all, they're come to by lawyers, military lawyers, and also, uh, you know, strategy tacticians. Oh. Uh, it's not a... It's not just like haphazardly come to. There's there there are you know steps of escalation like he was talking about. Hmm. It's a whole system. It's not like simply if you see a weapon, then you're free to fire. Sometimes that's what it is if you're in active active combat. Mm-hmm. But if you're just in like you're you're standing at an observation post, you, you don't get to just fire willy-nilly. Yeah. There are rules. Well, oftentimes you have to call in to the command mm-hmm. and say, hey, this is what it is. This is what I'm observing. Mm-hmm. Do I take a shot or not? Yeah. Especially related to his, his actions in his sniper's nest. Mm. You don't just get to fucking use your own judgment. Yeah. And he was an enlisted guy too. So even less of your judgment you get to use. Well, and I think a lot of people also look at these guys and think, oh, they had a higher rank. They were in charge. They were running these teams, yeah. right? And like that makes them the decision makers. But you're saying even in that case, that guy would not be the decision maker yeah, no. in, in that situation. Not all. Sometimes. Yeah. But, but normally those times are not well. Those are what's being described here. Yeah. At all. It's like what you see in a Mark Wahlberg movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> where there's constant action and you're all going to die and you have to do something right now. Well, you're hearing a lot of like Trump supporters say, well, you know, they have to make snapped calls right in the spur right, of the moment, right. in the heat of the moment. Yeah. None of, this, none of the instances that I've had explained to me and I've read about that he's considering pardoning fall under that category where you kick in a door you look left you clear you look right oh my god there's someone there you kill you shoot them and oh it was a kid mm-hmm. we're not talking about something like that mm-hmm. we're talking about a captive who is covered under geneva convention being stabbed to fucking death by a navy seal the same navy seal shooting schoolgirls innocent schoolgirls walking with their friends mm-hmm. down the road yeah we're not talking about snap decision decisions right. anyway yeah so gentlemen thank you for the call and for those of you who who haven't served and were like oh jesus jesse was being a dick eric would knew what i was doing there's a lot of rivalry between the services and uh I was giving it as good as I got it. <laughs> <laughs> we understand. Yeah, hopefully. So we have an email related to the religion, bigoted views, uh, approaching the girls who were at the table talking about how they were going to tell their gay friend that he is living in sin and going to go to hell. But they were going to do it in love, Brittany. Yeah, all that stuff. <laughs> uh, we got an email from Nemo from Maine. Hey guys, I wanted to comment on Jesse's view that he won't break bread with racist or bigoted people. I want to refer to a radio interview that I watched a while back with Trevor Noah, host of The Daily Show, where he made a very wise statement. Racism does not do well against contact. I don't know if you guys have ever watched some of those white supremacy documentaries, but the ex-racists are always people who stopped being that way because they became friends with someone of a different race. So my point is, I don't think we should be quick to cut ties with racist people because we may be the only chance there is of changing their minds through genuine conversations or just seeing that other people are no less than them. Cutting them off will mean they only associate with other racists and this will fuel their hate. But being surrounded by tolerance and love may have a positive effect on them. What are your thoughts on this? And I want to say that we actually talked about this quite a bit with Ian 
the the bonus episode that we recently posted with at team Ian on Twitter, um, because this is Ian's um like main hobby is reading about alt-right people wow. and his main hobby yeah his his uh time is dedicated to this area yeah, it's an interest of his yes and uh we talked about my background which is obviously um steeped in white supremacy and white supremacist culture and um we talked about those documentaries if you haven't listened to it it's great ian does like a little mini interview kind of going through britney's past yeah, so I we talked about it, and I am very conflicted about those documentaries. Um, I think that you can't just chalk it up to that. You know, I feel like there's a lot of factors. You mean their deconversion out of out of uh, the movement, right? I don't think you can just chalk up. Thank you. Their deconversion from the movement to having contact with someone of another race. Yeah, that's very simplistic, and you're you're looking at only a handful of select cases that the filmmakers have chosen to highlight um they're not highlighting the other you know like 25 people that they filmed on the documentary she only in this one that that we watched white right or whatever um she picked like three you know that chose to kind of change or or like two or one um but i want to know what happened with everyone else you know did she try to do the same thing with everyone else and what were the responses so anyway i think with documentaries you have to be a little careful you know what i'm saying on either side they you know they're edited for the the best quality the best results right but i do think that it is a fair point in some cases that yeah a lot of times people are raised with certain ideas and they are not going to get out of those ideas until they're challenged you know yeah um until they see the other side so that is kind of a conflict because well when do we deem someone past the point of no return Mm -hmm. you know like when can they no longer come back or when are they kind of a lost cause that we just give up on well all of this is is individual Everything is individual that you have to make that determination on your own. Yeah. And Nemo, I've made the determination that I'm not going to fuck with these people. And also, to your point, what effect am I going to have? Ginger white guy, what what effect am I going to have on a racist to get them to like black people or accept black people as equals? I'm not breaking down color barriers as as friends with them. And I'm not putting it on that, you know, people of color have to take on the mantle of doing this, but you have to be skilled, especially well uh, in this particular area. And I don't hold that skill set. I don't hold the, the, the skill set of holding my nose while trying to foster friendships with vile fucking racists. If you do, then good on you, brother. And I'm not being a dick right now. I'm being serious. If you do possess that skill, fucking awesome. I do not. It's not in me. Maybe someday it will, and I'll develop the kind of empathy or ability to turn my head from the most vile portions of someone's uh, personality, but I don't have that going on right now. So... Yeah, I I also struggle because I don't think that people of color should be the ones that are burdened with the task of, you know, extending a hand to white supremacists in order to show them that they are people. And I know that that's not what Nemo was saying, right? That that's an expectation or that that should be put on them. But I, 
I know that some people kind of go there with their argument, you know, and I, I, I don't think that that's fair. And to your point, what are you going to do as a white person? Well, I've tried to have these conversations as a white person with people that are inching close to the alt-right, yeah. kind of slipping their foot in the waters, just the tip, just to see how it feels. That's a reference <laughs> to their foot. And, um, you know, it, it gets very frustrating very yeah. quickly because it's hard to reason with these people, especially when they have these memes and these websites and it's confirming their biases already. It is a system of reinforcement of their their vile, hateful beliefs. Yeah, every yeah. morning they just dive right in and it's hard to pull them back from the brink once they're to that point. Yeah. So it is like work. It's a full-time job. For sure. Doing that. We also have a call on this topic or something near the, what the original topic was about bigots and uh, whether their beliefs, whether bigoted people, whether normal people can have bigoted beliefs and not be bigots. How's that? That's better. Perfect. <laughs> hey, Brittany and Jesse. I uh, wanted to comment on some listener communication from episode 513 uh, in reference to a listener who was clarifying some of their comments from the previous episode and y'all's conversation on people's beliefs being bigoted, but them not being bigots themselves. I feel like trying to separate the two is kind of just like saying, well, they may have said that really bad thing, but deep down they're a good person, which I don't really believe in. I feel like your thoughts and words and actions are who you are. There is no deep down. This doesn't mean that people don't change, of course, because it happens all the time, especially when they're exposed to more and more information. I think you made a good point, Brittany about saying how we should hold these adults responsible um, because of all of the resources that they have available to them to determine their own opinions outside of their religion, a.k.a. cult, whatever you want to call it, because there is a difference between not knowing something and being ignorant. I will never blame somebody for simply not knowing something, but I can blame someone for being unwilling to learn. If your actions and words don't line up with your beliefs, you're a liar, and if you refuse to fact-check yourself or absorb any information that is contrary to your beliefs, you're ignorant. Just wanted to say my two cents. Thank you guys for the show. Love everything you do. Brittany is the best part. Bye. Love the show. Brittany is the best part. Bye. Absolutely. Yeah. I loved all of that, and I... Sometimes, so I'm thinking of a few instances in particular where I would have conversations with these people that I was just talking about that were slipping into the alt-right, that were, you know, alt-light and yeah. headed straight for the alt-right. And I keep saying, you know, a lot and it's really bothering me and I'm trying to stop, but I keep thinking about how I'm saying it a lot. And then that makes me say it. I think it's weird that you're doing that. You do. You're noticing it. I said weird. Oh, okay. Yeah, I understand what's happening. See, I'm so in my head about it that I'm, you're noticing it? Oh my God. So anyway, uh, I would tell these people, listen, I want to have a conversation with you about this. This is really important, but we need to get on the same page here. So before I dedicate a bunch of time to talking to you and like getting you through this, I need you to read a few things first. Here's some links to some books. <laughs> you did this to several people. Um, you need to learn a few things about history and the reality of the world. Just so I know that we're kind of on equal footing here yeah. when we have this conversation. Because I can't teach 
everything. You know, I can't do history and economics. Like, I can't do it all. Yeah, you know, you, you can't. You have to have a, 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 a an equal playing field starting point. You can't start with someone about talking about the the, the inequities and the vile uh, tr- what slavery. If they think that the Irish were slaves too, well, white people were slaves too. You just can't do that. And I feel like it is an elitist dick move, but I also think there's no way around it because I'm trying to picture myself as a high schooler who is still believing that the Holocaust didn't happen, who is still living in my white supremacist household, feeling really conflicted about how I feel about my parents and what they've taught me and what I have believed my whole life. And if I hadn't started reading the correct things, the actual history, the actual way of the world and learning that and opening myself up and it took years, yeah, you yeah. know, um, getting myself to a place where I understood those things. I would still be there probably. I don't know. But you know what I'm saying? There's a far greater likelihood that you would be. That's for sure. And so when I talk to these people, it's like, well, there's a lot of holes that we need to fill in here because something is missing, right? You're, somewhere your intellect here went wrong. And it's not that they're stupid. It's just that they are ignorant, right? They aren't aware of certain information and they need that information before they can understand how reality actually works. Hmm. I'm, I'm, uh, hmm. Yeah, you're probably right. I just, I typically think that if you, if you truly believe that you're better because you're white or someone is less than because they're, they're black or Hispanic or whatever, it, it takes a kind of special stupid to to believe that on its face, I believe. I don't know. It's That's just my, my natural go-to I mean, instinct brings me there. Well, a lot of times, and this is not everybody by any means, but a lot of people in the, these movements now believe themselves to be intellectuals. I would deem them pseudo intellectuals because they actually like don't read things. They aren't really like up to date on the most current research. Mm -hmm. A lot of times they don't even have the skills to really understand it, but they listen to podcasts and like Sam Harris podcasts. And then they believe that that is all the information that they will ever need about anything. Yeah, Yeah. And that's not how things work, you know? So if you are one of these pseudo intellectuals, you listen to a one hour interview with, Charles Murray, the author of The Bell Curve, and you think, oh, I am now informed with the science behind why I am smarter and other people are inferior to me, right? Yeah, that makes sense. I I guess I was was kind of parsing some difference between ignorant and stupid that really was unnecessary, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. And I know that this is a very difficult thing for you to talk about because you just want to disregard the people. No, and I you don't. hate them. Yeah, yeah. And so it's a difficult conversation for you to have. But I also think um, that it is important to have the conversation because a lot of people are connected to, maybe have family members or friends who are racist. Who are in a position to break bread and make the change. Possibly. I mean, you never know. Uh, And I understand that it's hard and basically impossible to to deal with these people. But if you can, it seems like a good thing to try. Yeah, for sure it is. If you can. If you can. Yeah. And I'm not. I can't. I'm not wired that way. 
I'd rather break heads than break bread. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> wow. <laughs> little slam poetry here on the podcast. <laughs> anyway, everybody, thanks Jesse for the... Jesse D's spoken word. Thanks for the voicemails and the emails up to this point. We have one more I want to get to, and it's Mark in Tennessee talking about... Uh, Kind of what the, what the where, where's the line on yeah what was that the line on um, PC like when is it just you know um, racism or insensitivity and when is it like funny I guess like with the anyway we'll let him talk about it not me hey Jesse hey Brittany hey I just had a quick question uh, mainly about being politically correct and sensitive. Uh, to people's, I don't know if their needs or feelings. I, I'm not exactly sure how to word this, but what I'm curious is, is where exactly is the line? I mean, is it, you know, behind the intent of what you say? Because, I mean, honestly, if you look at, let's say, end-up comedians such as Jimmy Carr, Ricky Gervais, uh, Anthony uh, Jesselnik. Uh, I if, if they really were the racist, bigoted, uh, uh, you know, uh, sexist people that they portray on stage, I don't think they would get very far in my, my personal opinion. So I understand the intent of what they say, that yes, it's meant to be funny, it is a joke, but I'm, I'm also wondering, is do we need to know our audience, or what exactly is it? Uh, response, you know, how are we responsible um, as adults and human beings to know when a joke is not appropriate, or you know, when something should and should not be said? And I was just thinking about that because I've, I've noticed that you know there's several times Jesse has been. Uh, corrected by Brittany that perhaps you should say certain things, but I understand the intent behind what it said. I was just wondering how you guys balance that. And again, I probably missed this. I, this is Mark from Tennessee. Uh, love the show, and I love treating myself on a weekly basis, you know, with Jesse's face on YouTube and listening to you guys, you know, move the conversation forward. And I'm very glad that, you know, I, I in the ways that I try to support the channel, uh, that it does help you guys. Anyways, uh, you already know you're the best part, but Jesse, you are as equally important as everyone else. Y'all have a good rest of your day. Bye-bye. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Well, I really appreciate this voicemail, Mark, because... This is something I've been fascinated by, particularly watching the evolution of certain comedians. And I have read some comedian profiles about their feelings about this. And one in particular is Sarah Silverman, who has historically been very inappropriate, very raunchy. And her perspective on it is really powerful. And she just basically believes that you, you change with the times and you need to keep yourself up to date on what is and is not 
acceptable anymore. Well, you still have to make people laugh. And if they're not considering what you're doing funny anymore. Right. Then it's not fucking funny anymore. Right. And I will say, Mark, that if I I don't remember ever correcting Jesse about things that he has said, telling him to tone it down. Normally, I just sit here quietly and don't speak because what he says is separate from what I say. You see. <laughs> but um, even though oftentimes I get credit for awesome shit that you say. Yeah. Well, that happens because people hate women. So I I think you're just a woman with a small brain <laughs> with a brain a third the size of us. It's science. It's science. <laughs> so, yes. How? Do, why do I still have that handy? <laughs> Because it comes in handy. So, but it is the reason that I probably have done that, corrected you, if you have said something, is because of the reaction that we could get from people. Mm -hmm. And talking in public, thinking in public is very difficult and very stressful because everyone is going to hear things funneled through their own perception and they, their own life experience. Not this is everyone not is going to, everyone does. Right. We, we'll have long, lengthy discussions on the show. Yeah. And people will call in angry about something that we did not in any way right. say. Yeah. And so there's going to be some element of people are going to hear what they want to hear. Right. Yeah. But it is important that intent actually does matter, I think. For sure, intent matters. But then there's a little piece of it that is, you should just not be like a dick. And if you're saying something that is considered offensive, you should probably just not do that. You well, know? related to, to stand-up comics, I think, I don't know that I want to say a little latitude should be given. But l let me say this, especially about some of those guys that you mentioned. Um, Ricky Gervais. um, Jesselnick, mm -hmm. um, Alan or Carr, Jimmy Carr. A lot of times, comics, especially world class, good comics, the greats, will say things that on their face seem offensive, but what they're trying to do is get you to think about the larger issue. Like whether it be gay rights or whether it be social issues. Mm hmm. That it seems like, ah, oh, that guy's being crass as fuck. Yeah. But if they spark a conversation that people can start breaking it down mm -hmm. and changing their minds, yeah, then they've done their job and it's not offensive. It's 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 actually serving a, a, a societal good. Yeah. Well, I, I was just watching a conversation with Sarah Silverman and Jim Jeffries. Is that the Australian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's another one. Yeah. And they were talking about how they have reflected on some of their previous bits and they don't do several of them anymore because they haven't aged well, basically. And the bit, not the person, right? <laughs> that they wouldn't feel comfortable doing that bit anymore. And they also talked about this situation where they would tell a joke meant in the way that you were just talking about, right? More of a social commentary type thing, not a, trying to be offensive or racist or sexist or whatever it might be. But then someone kind of was like laughing a little too hard yeah, sure. and not understanding the social the, commentary intent the, behind there's it. There's always a dumb guy. Exactly. And so that would make them uncomfortable too. Like, Oh shit, sure. you're not, you're not getting what we're doing here. Are you? Well, a, a good comic doesn't want to be like the Simpsons where they got the jokes that fly over the kids heads. Yeah. And then the jokes that are just for the kids, they want they want it to be meant for 
getting the fucking point that they're making. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's a delicate balance. I don't know if we're answering Mark's question at all. <laughs> um, I'm just having a good time. So I'm not really worried about what Mark wants. Yeah. But I think that <laughs> I think the important thing is to be flexible, be willing to listen, be willing to accept constructive criticism and change with the times. It shouldn't be a scary thing to do. It should just be something we're all willing yeah, to do. You know, it- I, I also want to say that when I say change with the times, it feels like gross to say that because a lot of these things are just like fundamental things that we should all know that we don't say, like racial slurs and things like that. But as time has passed, it has become more unacceptable to say and do certain things. And that's what I mean when I say to learn with the passage of time yeah, uh, and accept those lessons because people of a certain age, people from certain backgrounds, they didn't get those lessons when they needed them. Yeah. Well, it's like, like pronouns, for instance. Ten years ago, no one talked about what pronouns you used for somebody. Right. But now it's a fucking thing. Yeah. The times have changed and you better grow. You better learn. You better be somebody different and better than you were ten fucking years ago. Yeah. You know? Yep. Um, the other thing I wanted to say was related to... to uh, to like a joke you would tell, like I personally, if something I would say, and I don't really have a, like I say things that are going to be said in front of every, everybody. I'm not, I don't have like a, you know, oh, in this group, I'll say this, but in this other group, I'm going to say something more sensitive or less sensitive. I, I don't really do that, play that game. Mm-hmm. So if you wouldn't tell a joke, like, let's say you're going to tell a joke, you know, about a, a gay guy. If you wouldn't tell the joke in front of a gay guy or you'd be a little sensitive about it or you'd change the joke, maybe it's not a fucking funny joke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's not PC. That's human fucking decency. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's important, too. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Kind of like that. If uh, if you're not willing to say it to someone's face, don't say it at all. Don't fucking say it, man. Yeah. Hope that helps, Mark. We appreciate the call very much and the kind words. They were uh, beautiful and well received. Yeah, absolutely. That was a very, very kind voicemail. And sometimes we need to be reminded of those things. I know people probably listen to this and think, oh, Jesse and Brittany, they get so much love all the time. <laughs> no, less, we less, do not. Less than you think. <laughs> we do not. So I, you know when I we get to- messages of support, it is incredible. Yeah. And it, it just re- reinvigorates us and motivates us to be doing the show. Seriously. Was, yeah, for sure. I was going to say something about some messages that I found in a folder today, but uh, anyway, go ahead. <laughs> okay, we have an email here on abortion. Brittany and Jesse, the abortion controversy has been difficult for me to navigate. While I'm several years removed from my charismatic Pentecostal upbringing, that part of my life surfaces in ways that can be at times embarrassing. I did, however, have a small epiphany last week. I found myself unable to form a clear opinion of the abortion debate and had become disinterested in the topic. That's when it hit me. It doesn't matter what my opinion is. This has been the clearest evidence that as a straight white man, I have the luxury and at times the arrogance to think my opinion on a topic is needed. The real epiphany was realizing that I can be bored of an argument, but real people are being hurt by bad ideas and they deserve my support. Jesse knows who the best part is. I don't know what that means. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. 
I'm assuming that's what it means. Also, there there's not a name in the email here, so I don't want to say who it's from because I don't know if oh, they want a name attached to anonymous. it. Anonymous. But what a really powerful point this is. Yeah, I started to disagree, and then they cleared it right up at the end. Right, that they just kind of disconnected from the topic. They're not interested in it. And then they realized, oh, wow, I have the luxury of not caring yeah, about this. Yeah, yeah. That's where I was like, no, you need to care. Women need male voices because, you know, the the, the massive part of uh, the power structure is still men who make decisions. Right. And then they fucking came around to it. Mm-hmm. It's fucking beautiful. Yeah. For sure. And listen, as far as the embarrassment about your, your Pentecostal um, evangelical upbringing, I, I'm, I cringe a lot. It's embarrassing. I know people who who look at their past as um, as equally them as they are today. I don't believe that. I, I, it was a different me, and it was a fucking terrible person. Someone who would, you know, I've said this before that I would argue that what's next if 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 gay men can have sex, what's next? Having sex with your dog? I mean, I was a kid, but I was raised by parents who still fucking believe that. Mm-hmm. So. Coming out of that, it, it, it that was an embarrassing time, an embarrassing version of myself, but I take heart in the fact that I did get out of it, and I'm working every fucking day of my life to impact the world positively, to make up for who knows who I hurt saying shit like that with arrogance and just undue confidence. I also, to the emailer who feels embarrassed by their upbringing... It was only up until a few years ago that I would randomly say things and people were like, "What? where'd you hear that? And then I'd yeah. say, oh, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My can we, can parents we give an taught me that. <laughs> can we give an example? And I was having to unlearn and relearn so much stuff. I'm not even just talking about like big things like history and did the Holocaust happen. I'm talking about like just everyday regular things. Armored cars. That's what I wanted. The one thing I wanted to bring up. Sure. Armored cars. So so Brittany was taught her whole life that when you see an armored car, there's like a, a group of dudes with machine guns in the back to yeah. thwart some kind of attack. So, Absolutely. And we were talking about it this was years and years and years ago and i'm like that's what no it's like a, a retiree with a with a, a nine the nine millimeter pistol and he might have a partner maybe has a partner there's no machine guns in there and it was something you were always raised to believe yeah i was terrified of them <laughs> like there's a lot of machine guns in there guys be careful how do they fit all the money in there with so many machine guns back there oh so good <laughs> Good times. So good. Mm-hmm. I think we got a couple more uh, emails, but let's get to them next time. Uh, we got a couple stories we want to get to. I think we've got a Gallup poll to talk about that. We're going to do that on the other side of the break. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. We want to be sure to remind everybody that the May Hangouts 
are going to be Friday, May 31st at 7 p.m. That's Pacific time and Saturday, June 1st, 11 a.m. Pacific time. That is this weekend. As a reminder, what are Hangouts? Well, they're one of our Patreon supporter rewards. So if you support us on Patreon, you get invited to a video chat with us on Friday and Saturday at the end of the month. And let me let's clarify. It's not a video chat like we're there and you're chatting in a chat thing like a live stream. No, no, no. It's fucking face to face. Right. Real conversation. Using the app Zoom. So yeah. we, we send out a link at that time. You click the link. You join the call. We all have a good time. So we hope that if that is something that interests you, you join the call. It's always nice when we have new faces to introduce everybody to and to for us to meet as well. So we hope that you join us there. Absolutely. The other, the other way to support the show, uh, if you're not into the Patreon thing, is Amazon. Go to dollamore.com slash Amazon. If you're going to spend your money there anyway, why not support your favorite show filled with news and ridiculous comment? All right. Well, let's move on here. And um, so let's let's talk about this uh, Gallup poll that has uh, has you, uh, I don't want to say titillated, but interested. How about interested? So every few, I don't know if they do it every year or every election cycle or when they do it, but periodically Gallup asks Americans about their willingness to vote for presidential candidates from certain groups. So they will ask them if your party nominated a generally well-qualified person for president who happened to be blank, would you vote for that person? Hmm. Okay. This is for sure every presidential cycle. And they ask various different groups. And then we learn how terrible Americans are through this process. (laughs) So uh, I can only fucking imagine. So remember the the phrasing there is if your party nominated a generally well qualified person for president who happened to be a blank, would you vote for that person or happened to be blank? So that's it for that person. That's the catcher that they are generally qualified to be president. Generally well qualified that you believe them to be generally well qualified, but they're Muslim or gay or woman would you vote for him? Right. So with the smallest percentage saying yes here, so this is the percent yes they would vote for this person, we have a socialist at the bottom. Wow, it's not atheist. 47% said yes, they would vote for a socialist. Hmm. A generally well-qualified person for president who happened to be socialist. It doesn't really jive because Bernie Sanders did really fucking well last time there's also no percent change in this result from 2015 all right so it's the exact same yeah, yeah, on yeah. this one um atheist like you said that was actually the second to last there 60 percent said that they would vote for an atheist i'm shocked by that yeah it went up two points from 2015 and 2015 58 percent that, that's good for that's Good news. Yeah. I think they just started asking this because of the um, perfect age ranges that we have here in the candidates for president over the age of 70. Right. right. Would you be willing to vote for someone over the age of 70, a well-qualified candidate over the age of 70? 63% would. I would too. Yeah. I mean, probably not in primary, but general, yes. Well, isn't Elizabeth Warren... 70 or she's 69? No, she's in, she's in her 60s. Okay. We looked it up the other day. 
Yeah. All right. And then we have Muslim. You also referenced this one. Mm -hmm. In 2015, 60% said yes, they would vote for a generally well-qualified presidential candidate who happened to be a Muslim. And it has gone up six points. 66%. Yeah. Yeah. You set it up like we were going to really learn that Americans are total dicks, but... Sounds like they're getting better. Yeah. They're getting less dickish. Yeah. I mean, there are still some concerns here. Like 96% said, yes, they would vote for a black president. (laughs) So there's 4% out there. In 2015, (laughs) it was 92%. Yeah. You know? Um, But it's getting better. See, that's the thing. Well, and then we have women. 94% would vote for a woman. You know, we're not all the way there. 93% would vote for a Jewish president. You know, We're, we're not, we're not all the way there. We're not all the way it's there. It's weird. It's weird what goes on in somebody's head. But it's good to know. It is good to know that there is progress being made, albeit slow, albeit incremental. There is progress. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that is good. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's uh, talk about a couple things and then hit ye old road. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So as we speak, Donald Trump is arriving back on American soil after having spent a Memorial Day weekend in Japan with Abe, doing some taking in some sumo wrestling and and uh, fancy dining and meeting the emperor and empress. Nowhere Donald Trump goes has fancy dining. He eats a well-done steak with ketchup on top. I think they probably, they did a steak dinner, so it was probably, they had to make it for him, and then, made, you know, had some, took some ketchup off the, the Air Force One for him. Yeah, you know it's his plate when the, like, seltzer water is replaced <laughs> with, like, sun-kissed right, or something. Right, right. <laughs> He's got a Sunny D. Yeah, Sunny One of those D. little individual portions of Sunny D. Fruit punch. So, so uh, at the end of this 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 debacle of a weekend, which, by the way, I don't know why a president of the United States is leaving the country over Memorial Day, but he did. And uh, a reporter asked him about the tweet that he sent out. Maybe we should read the tweet first. Uh, he deleted it because he spelled Biden wrong. He spelled B-I-D-A-N, where he, he takes... Uh, Kim Jong Un, his 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 position on Joe Biden, and, and kind of there's simpatico in this way. It's disgusting. I mean, as amusing as it can be under a certain lens, it's very very alarming. North Korea fired off some small weapons, which disturbed some of my people and others, but not me. I have confidence that Chairman Kim will keep his promise to me and also smiled when he called Swamp Man Joe Biden a low IQ individual and worse. Perhaps that's sending me a signal? Ah, just what the fuck, man? So he's taken the word of a dictator, a brutal murderer. Kim Jong-un isn't just like a, a your regular old leader. This is a guy who kills his own family, who murders Mass murders people, puts people in concentration camps and tortures them, kills United States citizens who are taken hostage and captive in his country. But he's got some jokes. All the jokes, making him smile. Yeah, this is really, again, why are we being tortured? But he calls he's calling him Swamp Man Joe Biden. Yeah. Is this 
Really? He's he's going to continue with the swamp thing, even though we know everything that we know right. about him <laughs> right. and what he's doing and the yeah. existence of Steve Mnuchin? Like, what, what are you talking about? Yeah, and Betsy DeVos, get the fuck out of here. So anyway, here's the reporter's question. I'm going to play this entire thing. It's like three minutes. But it is the full question and his full meandering nonsense fucking answer that doesn't make any sense. Uh, he he tries to distract and start talking about Iran. It's a mess. But what he doesn't do is say, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have done that about Joe Biden. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I should save my personal attacks about Joe Biden for my own when maybe I'm back in the United States and just on my own attacking him like a regular politician instead of in in in. Uh, enlisting the help of a foreign despot. You tweeted about North Korea uh, yesterday. Do you believe that they violated UN resolutions with uh, the short range missile launch? And does it give you pause at all to be appearing to side with a, a brutal dictator instead of with a fellow American, the former Vice President Joe Biden? Well, Kim Jong-un made a statement that Joe Biden is a low IQ individual. He probably is, based on his record. Uh, I think I agree with him on that. But at the same time, uh, my people think it could have been a violation, as you know. I view it differently. I view it as a man. Perhaps he wants to get attention. And perhaps not. Who knows? It doesn't matter. All I know is that. But a pause it there. In fact, we might just skip the rest of the fucking clip. I thought you were going to play the, the whole thing. thing. No, I, I think I'm going to change my mind. <laughs> Can't do it, huh? Well, there's two things here. One is, it doesn't fucking matter whether he did it because he wants attention. Launching the missiles is a violation of United Nations Security Council resolutions. Mm -hmm. There's not a, a clause in there that lets you off the hook. If you're trying to get attention, you can go ahead and do it. It won't violate the, the resolution. Right. No. The other thing is, what do you mean? We don't know. Who knows? Doesn't matter. It does fucking matter. Mm -hmm. You're the president of the United States of America. You have the most advanced intelligence organizations at your fingertips. You're not in a position to say, who knows? Ah, who knows? We're never going to know, you know, mm -hmm. that guy. We know. You know. Mm -hmm. You can know if you want to know, you fucking dipshit. Mm -hmm. Well, and this is all veiled references to scientific racism with Donald Trump's constant talk about IQ. Yes. And how this is a low IQ individual. I mean, it's shocking that he's leveling this accusation against a white man, Joe Biden, because he usually reserves it for black women like yeah. Maxine Waters. Yes. And you see his little uh, Fox News puppets like Tommy Lahren repeating these talking points as well, just mainstreaming this bullshit. So it gets really exhausting to listen well, to the, this. The other thing is, is that Joe Biden is a lifelong public servant. Now, look, listen, I don't, I don't expect Donald Trump to stop attacking political opponents. And I don't expect political opponents or myself to stop attacking Donald Trump. But to, to, to bring into it the words of a despot, the words of a mass murderer, a verified killer of his own people, and take his word for his actions over that of your Secretary of State and your National Security Advisor, who, by the way, 
North Korea has been on this last week on a kick of of denigrating him as well, John Bolton. It's just, it is nonsense. It is unacceptable behavior. And we have to get rid of this guy. And it's clear that Republicans want no part in that. Mm -hmm. Although a couple more Republicans did give a a little squeaky tweet Mm -hmm. about how this was no good. Yeah, great. But that's all it is. It's just fucking words. Right, right. Quack, 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 squawk, squawk, squawk. I'm unhappy. He shouldn't have done this. Mm -hmm. Do something. Join the Democrats in impeaching this maniac. Yeah. And not just because it's making us an embarrassment on the world stage, but because it endangers our position. It makes harder work for our diplomats. How is he supposed to get trade deals done when he's arm in arm talking about, well, maybe he's sending me a secret signal. (laughs) My new pal, Kim Jong-un, who can do no wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking unacceptable. Yeah. I, I know we talked a little bit on the previous episode about what we, (laughs) what we're expecting for the upcoming election. And I just, I hope that we're not going to see a repeat of the election with Hillary Clinton and the way that Clinton and Trump interacted or did not interact during the debates, outside of the debates, whatever it might be. I am, you know, we've talked a lot about should people directly challenge his rhetoric? Should they be mean to him? Should they be nice? You know, what is the response that people should have? And I don't know what is right, but I, I just hope that somehow, some way we can get through to people in a way that we couldn't before he was elected that look, this has been the result. This is what he's doing. This is who he has put in power. Um, This is what he has lied about. This is the way he behaves. You remember when you maybe had hope he wouldn't behave like this? When he wouldn't do these things? Well, he did. Yeah, I'm sure that each candidacy, each each campaign has its own strategy that they're developing now that they're going to run with. We'll see how how uh, effective it'll be or how responsive they're going to be on the ground in real time when he starts doing his Donald Trump bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, uh, some people do have uh, opinions about how Donald Trump's candidacy's uh, strategy is going to play out in 2020. Good evening. If you thought this week couldn't get any more unusual than it was, say, on Wednesday or on Thursday, well, it has. Today, the president of the United States retweeted a heavily edited video of Nancy Pelosi designed to show her stuttering and seemingly incoherent. It is deceptively edited. But another video, which is actually full on manipulated, slowed down to make Pelosi appear not just incoherent, but perhaps ill or drunk. This fake video has been put on social media and seen by millions. We're not going to show either of the videos to you because we want to amplify something that's false. President doesn't seem to mind doing it, but we do. The president's TV lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, was happy to as well, but then took the video he tweeted down, then tweeted a mangled explanation. And I'm quoting now, or at least I'm trying to, Ivis apology for a video which is allegedly is a caricature of an otherwise halting speech pattern. She should first stop and apologize for saying the president needs an intervention. R. If you are trying to make out your opponent as drunk or incoherent, probably not great to send out an actually incoherent tweet. He also included a visual aid. I want to show you there the photograph he included with the tweet. Some basketball players throwing their hands in the air. Not sure why. 
More on Mr. Giuliani shortly. As for the president himself, here's what he said on the way to Japan. Well, I don't know about the videos. I can tell you that uh, what I'm here is to help the country. That's why I did this. I don't know about the videos, he said, then quickly changed the subject. Now, keeping him honest, his own tweet does say otherwise. Quote, Pelosi stammers through news conference, it reads in all caps, and right below it is the heavily edited video. So who are you going to believe, the president of the United States or the tweet from the official account of the president of the United States? As for the continued attacks on Pelosi, the president is putting the blame on Pelosi. This just shows how fake you and the news are. When you say when you say a personal attack, did you hear what she said about me long before I went after her? Did you hear? She made horrible statements. She knows they're not true. She made she said terrible things. So I just responded in kind. Look, you think Nancy's the same as she was? She's not. Maybe we could all say that. That's that verbal tick again. The president has a long history of it, saying something that's at best arguable or not true, and then suggesting that the people uh, who he's saying it to all agree with him. Maybe we can all say that, he says, after suggesting the woman's second line of succession to him is losing it. Maybe that's the point. Maybe the point is suggesting that his political opponents aren't quite mentally competent. Keep in mind, if you don't think this could be a campaign strategy in 2020, all you have to do is remember what happened in 2016 when Hillary Clinton had a health scare. Uh, fails to point out several signs of illness uh, by her. What Which, you got to do is go online. Wait, wait do is go, uh, her campaign and a number of people defending her saying there, there's nothing factual to the claims about her health uh, and well, that that's, online, that's speculation at best. Well, so go online and put down Hillary Clinton illness. Take a look at the videos for yourself. Yeah, no speculation on the Internet. Rudy Giuliani then sounding a lot like Rudy Giuliani now. So I, I do believe this is going to be the strategy going forward. Trump's going to need to amp up the Trump. He's going to need to be a different, more more uh, sensational version than he was in 2016, which means more more radical, more, more crazy, more unhinged, more conspiratorial, mm-hmm. because he's going to have to entertain, because that's what it's about for the MAGA crowd. Yeah, well... We should not want an entertainer in a president. No, we do not. We want a diplomat. Not only do we not, do we want one, we need someone who can fucking tackle the serious issues that we face mm-hmm. with seriousness, sobriety. Le- leaving the ego out of it. Ugh. Anyway, um, what do you say? Pull the ship into the station or whatever the metaphor is. Let's do it. It's the asshole of today. Alabama Public Television. Alabama Public Television. Yeah. So what there's, did they do? Well, there's a cartoon, a cartoon show called Arthur. Oh, I know about this. Yeah, yeah. It's a Canadian-American program. Um, Starring John Legend. Really? No. Oh, He looks that's like right. Arthur. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, really? He, he does everything, huh? 
<laughs> okay. Uh, it's aimed at kids ages four through eight, and it's been on for 22 seasons. Yeah. Really long a long time. time. So the reason that Alabama Public Television, APT, as it will be known in the quote that I'm about to read. Apt. They refused to air a certain episode of the program. Mm-hmm. The episode involved a gay wedding. One of the main characters, Mr. Ratburn, was marrying his partner, Patrick, mm-hmm. in the episode. It's unacceptable in uh, Alabama. Yes, where 46% identify as politically conservative, second Go only... Trump! Baby! Second only to Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And so here's the quote. They refused to air this episode. They took it off the air. 50th in education, by the way, Alabama. And this was the quote from the station's director of programming, Mike McKenzie. Although we strongly encourage parents to watch television with their children and talk about what they have learned afterwards, parents trust that their children can watch APT without their supervision. We also know that children wow. who are younger than the target audience for Arthur also watch the program. Oh, they dun, mi- dun, dun. They might find out about how the world works. I know. About natural relationships that are decent and wholesome. That is all I could think while I was reading this article is grow up. Why yeah. would you want your kids, number one, to be bigots, but number two, to not just understand how life works. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? This is life. This always has been life. Gay people exist. They're in love. They get married. You're legally. Gonna... They fucking legally get married. You are going to have to grow up. Ugh. And stop being hateful. And stop passing the hate to the next generation. Who is by and large rejecting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I love this quote, and this is the creator of Arthur, Mark Brown. He was happy to hear so many positive comments about the episode on social media. Yeah. He said, quote, art reflects life. Life reflects art. And I think that kids need to see what's happening in the world. Yeah. And that is it. They need to see what's happening in the world. It's not weird for kids. Unless you say that it's weird. You make it weird. That's right. That's why racism exists in children, because they're taught that. That's not a natural fucking thing that happens. Well, kids naturally recognize difference, and they do recognize it very early on. But I I would agree that hate, um, feelings of wanting to take rights away from people, those things are definitely learned. Yeah, sure. But I think when people say... That kids don't notice difference. That is not. That's not what that's I said. That's not realistic. I said racism doesn't exist. It's taught. Yeah, but I I think that a lot of people use that argument to then like share articles of you know the six year old girls who met at school and believe they're twins when they're black and white. Yeah, or whatever. yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, and, yeah, and say yeah. oh they can't see color. They think they're the exact same. Like we come yeah, on. Yeah, that, that's for sure. That's dumb. Yeah. I've seen those stories of the that one in particular where the didn't the the girl want her hair colored the same or something. They wanted the same haircut or something. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember. Anyway, for sure. And look, these these people in Alabama, it's not a shocker. Again, we're kind of going back a little full circle here. Uh, It's the difference between stupidity and educate or in ignorance. And it's kind of a fine line because Alabama is number 50 in education in the United States and this is what they're doing to continue that to promulgate that by teaching their children at a young age 
or or failing to teach their children at a young age or expose them to things that are real life, you know? Yeah. So Alabama Public Television, which is weird too. I mean, they're, I was going to say they're asshole of today. It is weird though because public television typically is kind of the lefty, liberal, you know what I mean? For sure. NPR and your your public whatever. Anyway, mm-hmm. like fucking weird. Well, we're going to leave you there, I think. No better place to end. We will be back this week with another episode covering all of the politics, all of the news that once Donald Trump lands and he's he's at a a rally right now in 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 uh, at a military base in Alaska coming back from Japan and he's going to for sure blow up the airwaves with some some insanity in the next couple of days. So we will be back with you. We appreciate your support. We'd love to have you join the Patreon family. You can go to teamdollamore.com, shop on Amazon, dollamore.com slash Amazon. We love you. We appreciate you. We will see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore. This has been I Doubt It. And uh, Jesse, I didn't know if you knew this, but Marine stands for men arriving in naval equipment. Have a good day. Bye.